Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, November 19th, 2023. Coming to us live from Floored Media in Rockville Center. Have another fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Kevin Kurz, former beat writer of the New York Islanders, The Athletic, now back with the Philadelphia Flyers, I believe a little coming home party for him. He'll be joining us later on, much later on actually, around the 8.45 area, so uh, we'll get to him later, but another great show coming up. My name is Sean Cuthbert, with me as always is Mr. Stefan Rosner. Stefan, how do you do? I'm not going to say I'm doing fantastic, because we have just used that word. Word's been used already. Way yeah. too much. Yeah. I'm great, and I think the Islanders playing right at home is also great. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I think you're starting a week where... Things could have been a lot worse if they lose last night. So, buddy, before yeah. we dive in, I mean, how was the trip? You went out Vancouver, west? by the way, loved it. Yeah, loved Vancouver. I've heard great things. If you're a sushi fan, not a the, sushi fan. Well, I'm not. I'm talking to them. Oh, yeah. oh, I if thought you I was guys are sushi included. fans, I'm not, okay. <laughs> no, you're good. You don't like sushi, but anyway, the sushi was fantastic. <laughs> Seattle was all right. Uh. Oh, damn it, I said it. Uh, Seattle was pretty good. It was a fun <laughs> trip for sure. Well, that's great. Well, before we dive into the Islanders, I want to thank our wonderful sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagel. Satisfy your hunger at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. And remember to check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. Also want to send a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. And of course, a big thanks to Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law, ready to fight for you. Check them out at razorandkniff.com, R-A-I-S-E. E-R-A-N-D-K-E-N-N-I-F-F dot com for a free consultation. So with the pleasantries out of the way, Stefan, this road trip we were just talking about has finally come to a close. Four games out to Western Canada, one little stop in Seattle, and they are back. And uh, I mean, it was successful, right? They went 500. They say 500 on the road on a road trip is is good. So, you know, one... (laughs) Three, <laughs> one, one, and three, or whatever the final one, numbers one and two, were. Yeah, one, one, and two. I know math. Listen, the obviously when seven game losing skid could have been eight. Quite frankly, they deserve to win last night. I know we'll get to that game against Calgary, but before that game, same issues. Get a lead, blow a lead. Get a lead, blow a lead, and it's just again whether it's lack of discipline on the and the struggles of the PK, whether it's just not locking down leads, whether it's not getting those timely saves. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong. And they get bailed out last night in a shootout. But at the same time, that doesn't take away from the mistakes that are still leading to this team having struggles to close games. You're not going to be able to be a playoff team if you cannot hold a lead. It's just impossible. It is kind of amazing that it literally took until the very, very itty-bitty of the end of this road trip to get any semblance of a win. And it was the final shot on a shootout, right? They couldn't get a win in the first three. And it looked like it was here we go again last night against Calgary. And they just squeak out the winner in the shootout. And it just... You know, it really makes you wonder how good the Islanders and fans, I suppose, could possibly feel after a trip like that. I mean, now they find themselves at Hockey 500 once again, three points out of third place in the Metro. Or sorry, two points out of third place and three out of the uh, second, second Think, spot. Things change with the Flyers probably winning tonight or on their way to a win. There's so that too, yeah. It all changes, but they're still in it. Listen, they're still in it. Anyone that's saying the season's over just... One doesn't know how the NHL works because we've seen crazier things. But yeah, again, it's the same issues. Last night was, you know, they blew leads in every game of the road trip. Last night, they blew a third Correct. period lead twice. If it wasn't for Brock Nelson scoring 19 seconds after the Flames tied it at 3-3, who knows? Like Calgary had all the momentum. They might get that next goal and the Islanders don't get a point at all, let alone two. So again, it's just disastrous where they get the lead and they just, whether it's a mental game or just physical, they just fail to hold the leads. And, and that's not a way to have consistency in the NHL. And it's also a way to just destroy your game mentally. If you keep blowing leads, I know Horvat mentioned it after the Canucks loss. Someone asked him, is it's like, here you go again? And he goes, yeah, a little bit. Right. That's in their minds. And what happens when you do that, when you overthink, sure. you're holding your stick too long, or you're making bad passes, or you're just thinking everything I do is going to be an issue. When you try to be perfect, we talk about that with Sorokin. Mm-hmm. When you try to be perfect, you're not. And that's been the biggest issue. Well, that's the mental part of the game, man. You know, like the more you lose, the more you struggle, the more things aren't going the right way, the more you're thinking about it. Whereas, you know, when you're winning, you're feeling good. It's almost automatic. 
it's almost so you're not even thinking about it. It's like driving your car. You know, you hop in, you don't even realize you're driving, right? Yeah. And they're so far from that right now because of just having all these different issues, whether it's on the... I mean, they, they've seemingly solved the power play. We'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. But the penalty kill has just gone completely south, and you got to figure when they're out there, they're basically just, like, holding their breaths, hoping that they, they kill the damn thing because it's been, you know, such a struggle here over this stretch. And, you know, they, they have 17 points in 17 games. You know, we, like we just said, they're, they're still kind of in the mix there. They are, but you just don't know how inspiring that is, knowing those numbers, just with the way that they've been playing because some of these issues were peeking their heads out even when they were winning. Yeah. And the real early going of the season finally caught up with them where they hit, they go on the road. They're still struggling with it. So my question is, you know, how much does this shootout win really mean? It was, is it enough to kickstart this team to a, a bit of a run here now that they've come home? And can they switch gears and start to correct these mistakes that they're making? Because as you said, there's been quite a few of them. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the penalty kill. And I think right now, not that this win yesterday, says, okay, the penalty kill is now going to be perfect. Quite frankly, the Flames took away two of their power play opportunities by... They pulled an Islanders yeah, last they did. Yeah, they did. It's like what Scooby-Doo when you take the mask off and it's Indeed. the Islanders logo. Yeah, yes. that was an issue. And the penalty kill on this trip, I hate to laugh, but it's 8 for 16, the penalty kill. That's like usually a really good power play. Oh, speaking of the power play, the power play was 5 for 13, which was 38.5%. Right. An Islander country. Yeah, I, I joked about it on Twitter saying it looks like with their special teams just... They can't have them both going well at the same time. It's either, you know, one or the other. And we know over the past few years, the penalty kill has been, you know, lights out, usually at the very least top 10 in the league, sometimes top five. And the power play has just been dreadful. And and now it seems like they've figured out the, the power play. Again, we're only 17 games in, so a lot of things can change. But the power play is going much better, and the penalty kill has completely fallen off a cliff. And it's just so mind-boggling to me because it's – essentially the same personnel. Yeah. And, I mean, even if you just go back to one year, last year, right, it's essentially the same personnel where they had a very successful PK last year. And now you just wonder, is it coincidence? I mean, was it a little puck luck last year or is it lack of luck this year? You know, because it's, I'm sure they didn't really change their penalty killing strategy. They didn't overhaul it from, from last <laughs> year to this year, right? So is it just a matter of guys missing assignments, brain farts, maybe a combination of the two? Is this maybe just a, I mean, look, they're probably not going to stay, you know, at 50% for the rest of the season. That's unlikely. But... You know, it's just it's just baffling to me how they can go from so successful on that end to, to just being dreadful where, you know, I think I said it last week where they take a penalty and you're just, you know, crossing your fingers hoping that they, they kill the damn thing. And I think what makes matters worse is in the games in Vancouver and Seattle. Back-to-back games, the Islanders didn't allow a 5-on-5 five five goal. That, I mean, that's that shows you right there how big of an issue the penalty kill is, but also going to the penalty kill, I think the forwards have been fine. Maybe not as aggressive as Lean would like, but it's the failure to get the guy at the back post, which Scott Mayfield, that happened to last night, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Pulak, I, he had two chances to clear in that game against Seattle after Mayfield took two penalties, and he couldn't clear. And now you think, okay, talking to Lane, Lane said that they're retreating. And that's what happens when you allow goals. But I spoke mm-hmm. to Noah Dobson pretty recently about how, you know, what is his mindset? Because I asked him, I said, Lane's saying it's being passive. Mm-hmm. What does he think? And we have this audio for you guys right now. Yeah, I think when things aren't going well, you hesitate. And hesitation is definitely when it comes to the best stuff. You're hesitating. Um, you're not being aggressive. You're a second league to pot. So that's kind of the way it is. I mean, we're... We're second late to the guy in front or out to the guy in the half wall. So just we got to get the hesitation out, get back to our ways, um, be aggressive, and um, go from there. So for the listeners, it might have sound just a, a little bit muffled. So, Stefan, maybe you can kind of just summarize what, what Noah yeah. had to say. He said hesitation is the mm-hmm. biggest issue right now. And that's people might say, okay, hesitating to make plays, but it's hesitating for the forward to get to the guy on the point, hesitating to get to a loose puck on the wall, Ryan Pulak having the puck in the corner with a little bit of time, hesitating to make that clear. And we, mm-hmm. we've seen hesitation really screw the Islanders on a lot of the PKs that they've had because yeah. that's been the biggest issue. Like I said, in those two goals that they allowed against Seattle, Pulak had the puck on his stick behind the net twice. Mm-hmm. and both he couldn't get him out, whether right. it got stripped or whatever it is. And that's this is a veteran, not a rookie behind the net. This is a veteran hesitating on thinking, yeah. all right, should I go up the wall that way? Should I reverse? What should I do? And when you hesitate when this league is such a fast league, you're Just done. I think Dobson said hesi- hesitation's death. Yeah. And he's not wrong, which is why I wanted to share the quote because he's 100% right. And again, it's not as easy as just talking through it. When the game is being played and you get the puck, you got to fire it down. And that doesn't, not going up the middle, which we've seen a couple of Islanders try to do, right. or when they have a chance to clear, not getting it deep enough in the neutral zone. We've seen that become 
common mistake as well. So I think for the Islanders, it's about one, bearing down at the back post. You got to mm-hmm. lift some sticks. You got to box out. Sure. And the same thing with the forwards. Like, I don't think it's been the forwards that have been a huge issue, but you got to attack the shooter because when you don't attack the shooter and you sit back as a goalie, it's usually when you screen your goalie. If you don't fully, if you half commit to either making a block or half commit to stepping up, you're fully committing to screening your goalie. Like if when I'm in goal, I tell them, hey, if you're going to go block a shot, go 100%. If he makes a move to get around you, that's fine. But if he takes a shot while you're in between stepping, Right. You're giving me no chance to see that puck. So I'd rather you get fully beat, 100% try to block, or don't try to block and let me see it. Whether it's boxing out somebody in front or lifting a stick. Because, again, we've seen Sorokin and Varlamov get beat on screens a lot or on deflections. Mm. And we just rather be able to see the shot. Sure. And again, if we don't see it, we're hoping that you full on blocking it. But if you go halfway and you hesitate, like Dobson said, it's doing a lot more than just hurting your ability to clear. It's hurting the goalie's ability to see. No, no doubt about it. And, and another big thing that you and I talked about before we went live tonight is just the, the lack of discipline. Yeah. And, you know, just the parade to the box, taking these penalties that they're taking and the individuals that are taking the penalties and your penalty killers like Scott Mayfield, Casey Zizekas has taken his Pellick. share of penalties. Adam Pellick. Yeah, Adam Pellick's having a tough go here uh, here lately. You saw the frustration come out in the yeah. bench last night, slamming a stick, not once but twice. That was that was last night slamming the stick? Maybe it he was. He's throwing the water bottle, too. He's the been pissed. The water bottle. Okay. Yeah, he's been pissed. Which yeah. you should, listen. I, yeah, no, for, it's nice to see a little fire. Yeah. He's he's a little more of a reserved guy, so to oh. see him getting angry is was, was pretty interesting. But yeah, I mean, you got to, not only you go into the box quite a bit, but you have the wrong guys going to the box, and, and that's going to kill you too, because then you end up with the wrong personnel, or at least not the ideal personnel, out there on the PK, and, and that probably has something to do with it too, and, and we've harped on this before earlier this season, is just these guys are veterans and they know how to play disciplined hockey. It's unnerving sometimes when you see these guys raising their sticks, putting them in guys' faces, just undisciplined penalties that they know better, that if they just took a second to think, and where they really shouldn't have to, be like, if I do what I'm about to do, that's going to get me in the box, and they're, and, they're, and they're following through anyway, and you know, is it a selfish thing or is it just a, a mindless thing whatever it is they're not doing themselves any favor they know that they're already struggling as, on the PK as it is and it's wild to me that they're they're being so careless and just parading themselves to the box and listen I don't think every penalty that's been called against them is just and I think that they've been screwed on getting power plays for themselves but at the same time if the refs are calling it that close we're into the season we're only a quarter way through this is how they're calling it whatever the reason is this is how they're calling it so I spoke to Lee about that I said listen there's been some calls and he goes we're a team that just plays really hard and sometimes penalties are going to happen but when you see the same penalties in front of goal like Scott Mayfield getting called for the same thing in front of goal or in the offensive zone for whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and they keep calling it you got to adjust again they're not going to stop playing their game but you have to adjust to the game you have to play the game within the game and right now the Islanders have been getting called a lot especially in bad moments so they just got to be smarter a little bit because other teams are getting called too it's just that's why it's so important when the Islanders get on the power play that they've been taking advantage of it but they have to again if they can't get a kill it's not even about the stats because we talk stats all the time but it's it's timely kills and that's what's really been hurting them on this trip and on this seven game skid it's when they had a huge chance to kill a penalty when it was tied or kill a penalty when they had the lead they just weren't getting the big block the big save the big clear so that's been the bigger issue is just the timing of these penalties especially that one where it was a five on three you know Mm -hmm. taking two at the same like that just that can't happen and that's what lane said yeah no without a doubt and before we break to go into the next segment i just want to talk a little about some positive we've been harping on the negatives here a little bit positives let's let's talk you know actually there there are and and you look at the power play as mentioned before and also the first liners of, of Matt Barzell and Bo Horvat both on point scoring streaks for whatever they're worth. At least it's good to know that your your, your top producers are, are actually producing. And is this power play for real? Is this a flash in the pan? Or are we finally seeing a team that's figured out how to play a man up? And again, we talked about the power play. The biggest key to the power play was Dobson. And he has become so much more confident He's this been very year. very good. Having Barzal back certainly helps, but he doesn't yeah. have to be the guy carrying it. And Barzal's been breaking through. And I think also what you're seeing too is at times, Barzal's on the right on the power play, Nelson's on the left, where both of them are out of their one-time spot, which means they could feed guys mm-hmm. in the bumper spot, feed guys back to the point. Everything changes, but again, Dobson's was always going to be the key to this power play. I never saw them taking him off. And we saw last year where that could have really been a possibility with how bad they struggled. Yeah, absolutely. They said, listen, Dobson, we believe in you. Essentially, that's what they did. And mm-hmm. he said, you know what? I got this. And he's been fantastic. They, they've gotten goals, obviously, on this on this road trip. And going back to the point streaks, Horvat's on a five-game point streak, one goal, four assists. I look back. Last year when he was dominating on Vancouver, the mm-hmm. most amount of games in a row he had a point was three. That's it. So Surprising. five, again, point streaks aren't equaling wins, clearly. But right. when you're paying guys $8 million plus a year and yeah. eight-year deals, you want to see them scoring. Again, mm-hmm. Matt Barzal's on a four-game point streak, goal, two goals and two assists. He's been brilliant. And there's a stat out there. I don't remember the exact number, but if things continue, he's going to shatter his shots on goals by like 40. Good. And he it's might about time. And and his point production, he's got what, fifteen points in seventeen games, something like that. 
That'll put him on pace to where he was his, his Calder year, which again is something that which, Islander fans have been waiting for. Yes, but also in the grand scheme, did it really matter that he put up 80 points that year, no. whatever it was, because they didn't even make the playoffs. So yes, it's great that these guys are putting up points. It's great that yeah. they're on a point per game pace or, or close to it, but the wins are the most important. For sure. But I think again, him shooting more. That's the real key. Love thing. to that, see it. Because he always Love told to me, he goes, "Listen, you guys." He, he said this last year. He's like, "Listen, you guys don't think I shoot a lot. It's just in some moments you want me to shoot where I'm seeing something different." But now, again, the numbers always said that he shot more than people thought. But now that he's going to shatter his mm-hmm. on this pace, that says something. That means that him and Horvat are cooking because that means he's finding either Horvat's feeding him, Horvat's yeah. feeding him, or Horvat's taking defenders and giving Barzal more shooting lanes. Yeah. And to go to Dobson, he's on a three-game point streak with one goal and two assists. I think his five goals are second in the NHL amongst defensemen. Mm-hmm. He's been fantastic. And I, fantastic. Yeah, we got to put like a jar we put money in for. <laughs> yes. But uh, again, Dobson's been their offensive defenseman that he's had to be because no one else really on the defense is providing any type of offense. But yeah, having these three guys producing, it's only going to help when everyone else starts to figure it out. Again, the third line still is a tricky one. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll talk about fashion in a little bit, but fashion getting back in on the fourth line. Martin's banged up. He missed two games. So this lineup is still, I guess, trying to figure things out. But I think right now, um, I guess we could talk about Holmstrom real quick before we go. You need to cut to break. We can do that real quick. I, yeah. I really just want to talk about definitely how this affects the job of Lane Lambert because obviously that's been a hot topic since this losing streak kind of began. So if you want to touch on Holmstrom, we can do that. We'll go into Lane, then we'll break, and we'll do a little what's on tap. Sounds good. Yeah, so Simon Holmstrom, again, starts the season with Barzal and Horvat. Wasn't shooting. And ultimately that showed Lane, like, listen, I... We need you to shoot. You're playing with two talented guys. Right. Drops him to the third line. He finds something with Pajot. Whether it was on the PK, it doesn't matter. They were building chemistry. And you had Andersley on the top line. We know how that played out, where he got moved around because they couldn't find a home for him. Right. And then they Holmstrom got hot. And so they elevate Holmstrom back to the top line. He's played on the top line for five games. Biggest issue is that he has five total shots. In those five games, if you watch the games, you're seeing chances. You're seeing chances created. You're seeing him finding his teammates, maybe not shooting, but setting his teammates up and they're not finishing. But again, you're at this point where you're playing with two guys that are on fire right now. You well, got to find a way to say. Score. I mean, even though he may only have five yeah. shots himself, his line mates are producing. So at the end of the day, is does it really matter at this moment? I think longevity wise for him staying on that top line, it's not going to be just about setting him. He's going to have to bury because they're going to take. Yeah, I agree. They're going to take defenders and he's going to have like last night. He made he was playing on in overtime, made a sick move to cut to the mm. front. He had yep. another move earlier mm-hmm. in the game and they make great saves or whatever he decides to do. And they, the play broke down. But you're at least saying that he has the confidence to make these plays. You just got to see him bury. That's the biggest thing to me. I commented on it last night as well, is that it just it just seems night and day as far as him just being brave enough yeah. to make those strong plays. And then that's what it's all about for these young kids, right? Just, you know, feeling good, good enough about themselves where they like, all right, I'm going to give this move a shot and just see, see what happens and go with it rather than just make the safe play, right? Maybe dump it off into the corner or maybe try to dish it off to somebody else. Like, no, I'm going to try to make a power move around this guy or, or make a risky pass to the middle or whatever, or take a shot, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. And I think it's extremely noble noticeable with him and if he keeps at it we've been having like a wow factor with Holmes yeah. from now right for the last couple of weeks like wow look at this guy look what he's doing and his minutes are going up as a result and, and if that keeps up and you got that quote from Matt Barzell saying he's going to be sick right yeah, he's yeah, talking yeah. about him too and I think we're finally starting to see, you know, where that's coming from. And, and I and I wouldn't blame Islander fans, myself included, where we might have gotten to a point where we were just like, okay, this is who Simon Holmstrom is, third-line grinder. He's going to be a good defensive hockey player, maybe chip in the odd goal. Now it's like, okay, maybe this guy can, can contribute to the offense. So I'm not too concerned five shots through these games because his line mates are putting up points, but it's going to be a lot more glaring if he's still, you know, maybe hesitating to pull the trigger or at least, you know, make attempts at the net if the other guys aren't scoring either so I think for now it's good but I think all in all Holmstrom's definitely a bright spot for sure and I know you want to get into Lane Lambert yes yes I do yeah look that's that's kind of the big question now right they they go through this road trip and as it was going on and the losses are mounting I kind of got to a point where I was like Lane is toast I was like I, th- I think they're gonna make a change and and then they they squeak out the win in the shootout last night and I was like okay does that does that kind of give him a stay of execution for now and with all the underlying issues that you and I were just talking about, they are clearly not out of the woods yet. Yeah. And and I think stay of execution at you know might be at best for him right now in the sense that even if there's no announcement tomorrow or this week about, and I'm not saying there was supposed to be or, or it might yeah, happen, yeah. but if that was kind of where things were trending, because I feel like if they if they went over on this trip, like how do you keep them on right at no, that point? For, well, that would have been an eight game losing streak. Yeah, yeah. and then it's kind of like okay, this isn't working, right? But 
we pretty much saw all the problems ailing this team consistent through these games. They just so happened to win the last one. I think, Blown yeah. leads, as, as we talked about before, they had a lead in every one of these games. They lost three of them, whether it was by shootout over time or, or what have you. Multiple goal lead against Vancouver. They, they were up 2-0, later 3-1. to one. And they, they keep squandering leads. That is definitely the most glaring issue to me on this team where they, they just haven't been able to protect these leads. And when you see it happen, even again, they were up, they were up against Calgary, maybe not by two goals, but they were still up again, coughed up a lead, and they had to squeak out that shootout well, win. They were up 3-1. There you at go. one point yesterday, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So once again, multi-goal leads, squandering them, and it, it hasn't been solved yet. And in fact, this is a team who's had to score more than three goals to win a game last night, which is not their bread and butter. No. Usually it's three and they're good. And then you have all these games where they were scoring three goals and it wasn't enough. So... How long is this going to continue? And and winning in a shootout last night doesn't magically cure this stuff. So my question is, how long is, is Lou Lamarillo going to allow these warts to show before he says, okay, I've had enough. We're approaching the quarter point of the season here. Three quarters still to go. Plenty of hockey. Plenty of points on the board. Still close. Still in the mix. But, you know, when does Lou Lamarillo's confidence in Lane Lambert start to wane if they're still kind of trudging through this season with the same issues? I think a few points we made. One, the confidence score to be gone. You know, tomorrow it could be a new head coach. Sure. I think people that were saying... Yeah, last night might not have mattered. Well, I was say, people that were... One, last the whole trip might have not mattered. Fair. Let's be fair. Right. Last night, everyone's saying, well, maybe he secured his job with the win. I think, if anything, last night made it worse because they blew two third-period leads. So I don't think that was a, like, we got the win, so that's let me put that on my resume. It's like you had the same issues multiplied, and you won in a shootout, which is, again, you don't yeah, you want to win for sure, but shootout points obviously don't. You know, regulation overtime winner are the tiebreakers, and if we know how anything last year worked out, you need the tiebreaker. <laughs> right, right. And then, again, you saw with Edmonton, not saying Lane's getting fired tomorrow, but you saw in Edmonton where they went on that skid. They won a game. <laughs> right, and then he got and fired And then he anyway. got fired. Yeah, so, yeah. again, yeah. We talked about it last week. I don't think Lou's just going to fire Lane for the sake of firing Lane. If he thinks someone's out there mm-hmm. that will get this group going and he has that guy ready and he thinks he can make a difference, he'll make the move. But if there's nobody out there that Lou wants, he's not just going to fire. If you promote, I think, from within, you're kind of telling everybody, hey, we're looking towards next year. This is my speculation if there is a coaching change. You want a drum roll or? No. Okay. <laughs> it's not that dramatic. <laughs> Appreciate it, though. All right. So I think it could go one of three ways. And I think the first is. And this kind of tells me, this would tell me for sure that they might be looking long-term to the summer as far as Lou's job goes. If they if they fire Lane Lambert and they promote somebody like John McClain and say, okay, you're interim for the rest of the year, let's let's just see how it goes, I think that means the Islanders are reassessing everything this yep. summer. I think because they're not allowing Lou to bring anybody else in, yep. and I think that's when Scott Malkin might be like, all right, let's see what happens in the summertime and really decide how, how the front office is going to look at this team. I think that might be an indication that Lou's days are numbered. Option two is Lou is allowed to bring in you know, a veteran coach with some level of success, some level of clout, whether that's whether you like these guys or not, Gerard Gallant, John Hines, Dwayne Sutter. No, no, not even John, not John Hines. I'm saying like a, a guy who's been to a finals, maybe mm. a guy who's won a cup, somebody, somebody who's going to demand a long term contract with a lot of money, because if they do that, that tells me that Lou's job is safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they're not going to hire that guy without let, giving him a chance to go and he would be a Lou hire. So I think that means Lou's not going anywhere. Now, yeah. you mentioned the name John Hines. Yeah. Now, I feel like that's kind of a middle ground hire Mm -hmm. where it says to the fans... We're not throwing the towel in on the team because nobody's going to like if like it if they, they just bump up McLean. Nobody not. Or anyone in the organization for that matter. Yeah, I yeah. agree. So, you know, that would probably be a PR nightmare fans-wise. But John Hines is a guy who has NHL experience, and it would, it would look like a move to me where it'd be like, okay, we're still trying to win. We're bringing a veteran. Let's see what this guy can do. But it's not a guy that's going to demand too much money, too many years. And I feel like it's a guy that they can roll the dice on see where the season goes, and if it pans out, great. John Hines, new coach, they're winning. But if he doesn't, he's probably the kind of guy that they can part ways from in the summer still yeah. and then move on from Lou if that's what they decide to do. So I kind of feel like if there is a coaching change, it'll be very telling on what happens with this team in the future as well. And I feel like if it's a guy like John Hines, that that may mean that uh, Lou may not be long for this team, depending on how the rest of the season goes. And for those that say, oh, here we go again, Lou hiring an ex-devil, their past did not cross. When he was right, he wasn't a little Just want to throw yeah, that yeah. out there. 
was not a little higher. that because I understand. Right. Oh, devil guy. I mean, he last coached Nashville actually was relieved of his duties by Barry Trotz mm. before this uh, this past summer when Trotz became the actual general manager of Nashville. Trotz brought in Andrew Burnett and let John Hines go because he wanted to have his own coach and everything like that, which sure. is fair. So if the Islanders were going to hire Hines, they have to get permission from Trotz, which is just ironic. But again, right. I don't think Trotz would have any issues doing that. But at the same time, again, like we talked about it too, is with Lane is is there blame to be on Lane for what's happened this year and the last year plus hundred percent? Is there blame to be on the uh, assistant coaches for not helping out enough? Sure. Power play pen- power play struggles last year, penalty kill this year, sure. But at the end of the day, too, did Lane get the most that he could out of the players that he has on his roster? You got to put some blame there too. So I think it's whether Lane gets fired or he keeps his job, it's not Lane's fault for everything that's gone wrong. No, of course, of course. But as they always say, you can't fire the team and. It's gonna see, and even if the assistants aren't doing a great job, it still starts at the top with him. Even if he didn't really hire John McClain himself. <laughs> but that being said, we'll see how it pans out. I'm curious if this if this win that they got last night kind of delays it a little bit. But look, I hope they go on a 20 game winning streak and Lane keeps his job. I don't I don't care who's behind the bench as long as they win. They got a shot at a Stanley Cup. But if it's if it's time for a change to be made. Then you look at your options to see what happens, but I, I think it's going to be very telling on what the future of the front office might look like, depending on uh, if and when they do make a change and, and what that change is. So with that being said, why don't we take a break? Let's do it. So before we do that, though, I'm going to tell everyone about Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases. We have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Lorcana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainSTBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. And now, thanks for tuning in to Twitch.tv slash HockeyNightNY. We're going to break. If you're an Islander fan, there's nothing like a big win, a tasty meal, and great company. And Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more. Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss Bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at BlueLineDeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. And now, it's time for What's on Tap, a look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. We're going to take a very swift look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule because, thankfully, the schedule makers made it easy. They seem, they play the same team twice this week, and we're actually going to talk about that team later. But Islanders have a few days off. Wednesday, they play the Philadelphia Flyers at UBS Arena. That, I believe, is a 7.30 puck drop. So I believe they, they won their game tonight. Is that right, Jake the Snake? What's the final score, buddy? 5-2. Jake believes it was 5-2. Over, over Columbus. Over Columbus, 5-2. to two. There you go. There's your live update. So Philadelphia wins. That probably does change the standings that we were talking about before. So now maybe the Islanders are four points out of a playoff spot, whatever the case may be. So they got them on Wednesday. They got them on Saturday as well. They are now 10-7-1 after the win tonight. And sandwiched in between that, Friday, the Islanders will pay a visit to the Ottawa Senators, who are currently 8-7-0. Stefan, real quick, what do you have to say about this uh, little what's on tap we got? Yeah, so I think for the Flyers, it was no expectation heading into this year and a sure. no expectation team especially coached by Tortorella mm-hmm. that is a dangerous dangerous team I don't think the Islanders are going into that matchup saying oh it's the Flyers first off the yeah. Islanders haven't they can't make that statement given who they lost to already this year um, but the Flyers are dangerous and they're playing inspired hockey and this is a different Flyers team again Torts teams usually start off strong get points early right I don't know, but this Flyers team feels a little different. Carter Hart's been incredible. Yeah, he's been very good. Looking forward to talking to Kevin about the Philadelphia Flyers later on. So, folks, that was What's on Tap. And now we're going to get into the Hero of the Week. That's right, folks. When you hear this heroic song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Selly featuring grilled roast beef, sautéed onion, mushrooms, and fresh mozzarella on a toasted 
garlic hero. That sounds delicious. Remember to stop into the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location for half off the celly. So, Stefan, who's your hero of the week? My hero of the week is Hudson Fashion for a couple of reasons. One, you look at last two games he's played. Uh, Matt Martin's banged up, so he gets back in. Fashion was missing that spark we saw last year. Early on this season, didn't show it. And the last two games, he's shown it. And he got a huge goal last night to tie the yeah. game at 1-1. That's, yeah. a, that's a goal scorer's goal. A semi-toe drag pullback mm-hmm. mm-hmm. beats Markstrom. But the one other thing I wanted to bring up is he played a team-low 11-13 in ice time yesterday. He had played a team low in the first period, only took five shits, made it count. He was hard on the forecheck in back-to-back games. He looked like the spark plug we saw last year. And if he's going to play like that going forward, he's going to make whoever's coaching the team inability to take him out of the lineup, whether Matt Martin's healthy or not. Fashing has this ability, we saw it last year, to play a game where you have to keep him in. And he looked like these last two days, looked like the fashion we saw last year. Yeah, he looked good. He's playing well. I think that's a decent pick. I think it's another week where you're kind of struggling to find a hero just yep. because they they didn't really win a lot this week. But there is a guy who helped the Islanders win last night's game, and that is none other than number 26, Oliver Wallstrom. I know you have a little bit to say, say about him tonight. I think he needed a, a heroic moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, for, for just for himself. And, you know, the, you have the extended shootout last night. He gets the winner. He's the last guy to touch the puck. He puts it in, and you see the emotion. You see that celebration, hence the Selly as the uh, as the hero of the week. But listen, Oliver Wallstrom, he's, he's still trying to prove to himself, let alone the staff, let alone us, if he's going to be that guy. But we saw what a shot he has. I mean, what a beautiful goal on that shootout. And look, he's a hero because he, he helped him get the win, and, and they not, he needed it. They needed it. They're probably feeling a little bit better on that plane heading home. So maybe it's the start of something. Maybe it's not. But Oliver Wallstrom, let's see if he can build on this now after uh, getting the game winner. He's had a tough season. He had a tough game last night, a minus four in a game where there, <laughs> yeah. where there was eight goals. Yeah. So again, he had a really tough night. So one, that was huge for him, huge for the team. But for Wallstrom, again, it's just making those simple plays. That's it. Making the plays that Trotz was trying to get him to play, where there it's breaking the puck in in the neutral zone, dumping and chasing. He did that a little bit, but mm-hmm. there were times over this road trip where he failed to make that play and it ended up in the back of their net. So last night, again, Walsham showed a, that he has that shot. That was a lethal yep. shot. Yep. Uh, listen, Markstrom also was terrible last night. Let's let's be real. He did that Not thing great. where he's like, oh, shoot glove. And Walsham <laughs> said, okay, watch me. Right. Um, and then he didn't watch it because it went right in. Yeah, it's just Walsham needs to be a player that's not a defensive liability because that's what he was last night. Again, mm. a minus is not always the best stat, but sure. when you watch some of the goals, even against, yeah, you just saw some of the goals where he could have made a better play. Yeah. So for Walsham, though, he gets on that plane, goes, I'm really happy. Obviously, his teammates were ecstatic for him. Back to back games, by the way, where he scores in the shootout. We saw the emotion against right. Seattle when he scored and went down the line. So I think for Walsham, maybe it's the smart, the start of something, but for him, that might have been his, one of the bigger moments he's had in, in an Islander jersey. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So there you have it, folks. Hudson Fashing, Oliver Walsham are your heroes of the week. Now, Ed, Jay, how y'all doing? back there good are we skipping intro no bro i'm, I'm just asking you how you're yeah, doing fine, and then just you can fine. play you, it you, you, you know, know i just want to know how you're doing all right fine i'll, I'll let you know how i'm doing first i'm doing great <laughs> okay you know, i was chopping at the bit for the button honestly right, you, so you, just... you you are you you seem to be a little hasty with it sometimes it's time for yeah. questions <laughs> i'm cutting so you off there go ahead ask a question because my question is who is it who does that voice is that morgan freeman or no, no, it's not Morgan Freeman. <laughs> that was my guess this week. But I think it's a great guess. He he does have the voice of an angel. Uh, not Morgan. You're Freeman. telling me. Still, no, I'm not, I, I don't know the fellow's name, but no. it, it does. He does have a nice voice. All Sounds right, familiar. Ed. Anyway, we're gonna kick it off with CGS eight seven eight questions. Bruin is the Metro really mediocre this season, or is it just early season and or injuries or rust? I think the Metro is kind of all over the place right now because I think Washington is outperforming where we thought they would be. Like, they're right up towards the top right now. I don't know if that's going to last. Even this this nice little start for Philadelphia that we'll talk to Kevin about, I'm not sold on it yet. I mean, great for them, but I'm not sure if that's something that's going to be sustained over the rest of the season. And Carolina Columbus, came Columbus out to a slow start. Columbus is still bad. I think mediocre is pretty fair. I, I think, you know, you, you still have your... Your expected teams at the top will probably be Carolina and New York. I mean, obviously the Rangers are playing very well. Pittsburgh is kind of starting to figure it out now. They're putting some wins on the board. We'll see how long that lasts or if, if they're the real deal now with Carlson in there and whatnot. So it's it's been a it's been a weird watch, I think, for the Metro so far. I'm still waiting to see like where everybody settles. People say it's it's I don't think it's the most competitive division in terms of mm. just elite talent, but competitive in the sense that there could be four teams that make it. And like we saw last year, 
come down to the last game of the year, I think it's certainly possible. It's going to be tight, I think, the whole year, and that's why it's the toughest. But again, I don't think it's every team's elite because you have Columbus. I think the Flyers come down to earth. Capitals are hot right now, but you know it's the Capitals. Right. The Penguins, sure, maybe you're playing a little bit better than expected, but still mm-hmm. the Penguins. So yeah, and I think the fact that the Islanders were so bad, went on a seven-game skid, they're still in it. Tells you all you have to know. I right think now. that's the main point yeah. right there, which is great for the Islanders because sure. we saw in January last year where the Islanders are so bad, but so was other teams in that division, which is why right. the Islanders even had a shot. Next up from Trottier19, what's the big reason for the poor defense for so far this season, and did anyone actually faint that they won a shootout last night? <laughs> I think the the last part of that's a fair question. They don't really do well in the extra frame, whether it's overtime or shootout. Stefan, go ahead. <laughs> what's going on with the defense? <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of it's the same that's going on with the penalty kill. The inability to tie guys up, missed assignments, aggressive people on the offense going up to the point, stopping shots, screens, all that kind of stuff. I think it, it stems from confidence for sure. You don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to make a, take a penalty. I think also that's another thing is they're trying not to take penalties. And when they're doing that, they're overthinking and taking penalties. But I think, again, communication and just awareness. Guys can't just be behind you wide open. I think people want to blame the structure. Sure, you could blame the structure, but at the same time, there's individuals out there that need to just make plays. I don't think it's just full structural issue. I think it's you're paying certain guys to get the job done in certain facets of the game, and they're not doing it. Yeah, I think it's guys missing guys coming in back door. Yep. You know, in front of the net, it's happened a lot where it's kind of the goal goes in, then they look behind and they're like... <laughs> And they're like, yeah, I I probably should have had that guy, you know, and I think a lot of that's happening. And and I guess the one decent thing about that is that's pretty correctable. That's just upping your... Yeah, for sure. But I mean, it's upping your awareness. It's it's having your head in a swivel, making sure that you're you're kind of marking the guy who's who's you know you're supposed to be marking, and and hopefully that's something they could do. The, the, again, the encouraging news is is this team has has done it. They've been there before. They've had a successful PK in the past, and hopefully they're just working out some kinks here. And and we're not talking about it two weeks from now, saying yeah the PK is dreadful and it's and it's going to stay there because it's it's not changing. But we'll see. Next up from Mr. Tom Boyle, there he is. Thirteen joining us again this week we missed you last week and also thank you for the eight month membership today yeah uh so tom asked with the defense having difficulties recently do you see a trade happening sooner rather than later i think if loon has a piece out there that he wants to get and he feels like it's a fair trade yeah i don't think he's i don't think Lou's gonna wait for them to just wake up now i did do a piece about the flames they just played have two guys on that team one of them who already requested a trade and nikita zadorov who could help the penalty kill big time body big penalty killer and if the need help there, Zadorov wants out. He's publicly made it clear that he does not want to be a Calgary Flame. Other guys have said, we don't really want to sign long-term. That's a team where everyone wants to leave. Now, he'll yep. cost not as much as a guy like Noah Hannafin will, who would definitely help this team. Mm-hmm. But I think Aho, we, you know, we talked about how strong Aho was out of the gate. He struggled a little bit. He keeps falling down again. We're getting back Sweet. to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And Zadorov's a lefty, so is Hannafin, so they could play with Mayfield on that bottom pairing mm-hmm. if it moves mm-hmm. to be made. Now you have the cap issues you could deal with, but yeah, I think if Lou sees a player, whether it's Calgary or somewhere else, that could help the back end and also help the PK, he's not going to hesitate, especially if his job's on the line as well. Yeah, and Elliot Friedman apparently mentioned that Lou was checking in on Calgary and their defense. They should. Too. Yeah, but he makes common whether, sense. Whether that's you know true or not, who knows? But yeah, I mean, do your due diligence, right? And and apparently he was he was looking into scoring too, which is interesting. But like. How are they fitting anybody there? Who are they giving up? That's that's just my question. Like, okay, great. If you find somebody that can help this team, awesome. What are you giving up for it? What salary are you moving out to make that happen? I don't know, but uh, that's why I'm not the GM. That's why it's his job, yeah. yeah. Next up from NZAB09. Is there something brewing with Sorokin's attitude? He called out the team recently, and it hasn't gotten any better since. It is true. He did call out his team. Well, I, he called out his team in the sense that they lost games where they were winning. I don't. He didn't call anybody specifically out. But yeah, this is a guy that's been such... His biggest thing in his game is how mentally strong he's been mm-hmm. the guy just thinks about stopping the next shot and I think confidence has been lacking in his game again I'm not an NHL goalie nor am I an NHL uh, goalie coach but you know you watch him play he's looking behind himself a lot which to me means he's not tracking or he's not sure that he has the puck I've been there when you know <laughs> when you're going through something and you're not you know a lot of loss, losses in a row or a lot of goals going in like, oh, did that hit my pad. Did that go in? I look behind you. And it's like, okay, that means you're not having confidence. You're making the save. So I think for Sorokin, like the team, he'll get to where he's got to get to. And when he does that, he'll be winning games. He'll be stealing the Islanders games, which will be helping everything. I think just everything that could go wrong has been going wrong. And he hasn't been Sorokin like he's used to being. So I think it's all weighing on him for sure. He wants to get these wins for his team and for himself. And I think he'll be fine. I don't think it's an attitude issue that anyone has to monitor. I think it'd be more of an issue if he wasn't getting pissed at some point. Yeah. And I think it's good to see a little emotion out of your goalie, especially Sorokin, because, I mean, as you said, I mean, he he's kind of been just a very 
to the point, even keel. Like I'm just here to show up and play hockey. And, and it's nice to see that. Yeah. He's, he wants to win, you know, and he's getting a little fired up about it. And, you know, when your team isn't performing the way it should in front of you, just just the same where, you know, you got a, uh, a team with a bunch of guys who can score, but, you know, you're lighting up the score sheet, but then your goalie's giving up seven goals in a night. You know, that that's disheartening too, and that that makes you question, you know, uh, how well you're going to go out in a game, whether whether you score seven or not, if, if you don't have the right guy back there. And, and if, if he's sitting there saying, you guys left the slot open again, you guys left the, left the guy on the hash marks open again. I mean, what's going on here? That's going to weigh on you. So I guess it finally did. Yeah. You know, and because he, he has had some high-performing games where he didn't really have the results to show for it. And and I don't really blame him for, I guess, kind of pointing the direction of the guys in front of him a little bit here. So, listen, uh, it's it, it looks like maybe it's getting to him a little bit, but he's a guy who knows how to focus. I'm sure he'll he'll reel it in. But but as you said, Stefan, I think he's been a little up and down. And, and I think it's fair to also say that maybe they could have come out of this road trip with another point or two if he might have been able yeah. to make this a stop here or a stop there. So it looks like everybody just kind of needs to uh, get their shite together, if you will. Next up from aisle 72, Engvall hasn't played very well so far after looking good last season. <laughs> Were we duped? <laughs> I don't think we're there. Are we not playing well? I think yeah. that's such a stretch. If you're looking at the stats and you're one of those people that doesn't watch a lot of the games and just looks at the stat sheet, what, goal sure. And five assists. Got one goal and five assists. But five. when that line was rolling, which by the way, that line hasn't been as good. Maybe that mm. maybe because Engvall hasn't been as good. He got scratched. He had that mistake. But Engvall hasn't been bad to the point where you're being. Did they get duped? The goal that that second line have scored have usually come off the plays he's made in transition or along the boards, whatever the case may be. So I think, first off, it's way too early to tell how that contract's going to play out. But Engvall's been fine. I don't think he's an issue right now at all. Maybe at times he's not back-checking hard enough or things like that, little plays that he makes mistakes mm. on. But it, you're not pointing at him for the reason they went on the 70-game scheme. Yeah, That's ridiculous. I'm not there yet either. Maybe I've caught him making a soft play here or yeah, there on it the happens. boards or something like that. But I don't I don't look at Pierre Engvall and say, oh, he's been bad, something needs to happen here. Like, I think he's Still, he's been a good soldier, and and as we've noted, you know, in in previous weeks, that he's kind of been a catalyst for that second line at times, literally leading to some of the goals that they've scored, even if he wasn't the guy who was scoring it. So, all right, so oh, we got another one from aisle seventy two. Okay, Holmstrom is playing well, but just not finishing. Will we see Wally get another chance on the top line? Not after last night. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, he got the big goal, and he yeah. has two shootout goals in back to back games, but. I think the biggest reason why Holmstrom is still there is because he's defensively sound. And those are two guys, mm-hmm. Horvath and Barzal, who are also solid defensively. They're not they're not terrible, but Holmstrom's kind of that anchor where you really trust him if they do Barzal again, Barzal turns the puck over a lot. And Holmstrom's kind of there to be the backup to yep. I'll save yep. you where mm-hmm. I don't think we're close there for Wallstrom to be that. Hey, yep. if Barzal turns the puck over, is there faith from the coaching staff that Wallstrom's going to get back and make a play? Right now, Holmstrom's, it's, I don't think those two players are comparable right now in terms of fighting for ice time. I think it's Holmstrom's right now. Wallstrom would have to do a tremendous job mm. in his defensive game for that even to be a consideration again, especially with, again, like you talked about, maybe Holmstrom's not finishing, but that line Barzal and Horvath are going right now. So the last thing they should do is touch that. Yeah, it's funny, right? Because the talk not long ago was you can't take Holmstrom off the third line because him and Pat- <laughs> Joe yeah. looks so good, and now oh, you can't take him off the first line because of how well the first line's playing. And is is Holmes from the the straw that's stirring that drink up there? I'm not sure. It's a good one. I like that expression. It's it's been around for a while. I'm young. <laughs> It's not mine. I don't claim it to be my own. But they're going well, so so why break that up? Because I think you're a little more concerned about your first line going well than your third line going well. I think that's that's a fact. But the funny thing is, is that Holmstrom's bread and butter is more the defensive side of things, which is more suited for the third line. And Wallstrom's bread and butter is being a, a sniper, a more offensive kind of guy, which is more suited for the first line. And they're kind of in a reverse here, and you kind of outline why that is. But I guess in a sense... With that in mind, if you need to flip-flop and you got to mix up some lines, you can switch those oh. guys around. If you're trailing, you know, maybe you can bump Wallstrom up to the first line to see if they can get some kind of offense going. And, and on the flip side of that, if you're holding on to a lead, you can maybe get a little more defensive. You throw Holmstrom out there with Pajot and Fashing or Lee or whoever's on the other side of that line and, and you know, use him in a more of a, a shutdown role. So I guess there's a little versatility there, but I guess they won the game last night. Holmstrom's up in the top line. They're playing well. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Kind one, of. one more thing is Wallstrom leading the game last night was sat and Clutterbuck skated with Lee and Pajot. Just to add that in there. There you go. Yeah, so the Wheel 89 asks, I don't think he's been terrible, but in my mind, Aho needs to be the seventh D-man. Outside of Calgary, Dude. outside of Calgary, guys, who needs to be, who, who is someone to pair with uh, Mayfield? I mean, you have a ton of Samuel options. Samuel Baldock? Yeah. Well, 
I don't again. I don't think Aho has been an issue. I just think that's a position that just could be. Uh, yes, he struggled a little bit, and so has a lot of Islanders on this trip. But mm. it's more of just an upgrade. Like I don't think I don't think Bolduc would be better in the lineup right now than Aho, or Bolduc would be in the lineup, right? Um, I also think Scott Mayfield has struggled as well. So if we're gonna point fingers at Sebastian Aho, we gotta point fingers at Scott Mayfield. I'm pretty sure he leads the Islanders in penalty minutes, and he missed seven games. That's, so yeah, that's. Again, I could be, I'm pretty sure that's correct, unless I just don't remember how to read, which is, could be possible. <laughs> but I think for Ajo, it's just finding the game that he had early in the year. Because again, he's a serviceable def- six, uh, bottom pairing defenseman. But I think if Lou has an ability to upgrade that, he should. Now, in terms of options, every team's got options. There's guys that are playing bottom minutes on any team. I just think for Calgary, the reason that it was so, let's talk about it, is because you had a guy that voiced that he doesn't want to be there. And that's why it's like, okay, he doesn't want to be there, then yeah. Get him if you can. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, and if you look at the Isles D and kind of how I think most fans have looked at it and even, you know, us just just watching the games here, I think going into last season, like, you were hoping there was going to be something better there on the left side than Sebastian Ajo, especially pre-last season Sebastian Ajo. You know, it was kind of like, all right, he's not going to be the guy to, to cut it. You, you were hoping for one of two things. Either Balduke was ready to take his place, or actually back then, <laughs> Robin Sallow to take yeah. his place. And neither one of those panned out. And and then Sebastian Ajo kind of surprised us last year and was like, okay, maybe this guy belongs. He had a great season. Yeah, he, great he looked playoff. a lot better. He, what, 20-plus points, I believe? So he had a pretty good year last year, and we were like, okay, maybe maybe he works over there. And, and you know, maybe he's been struggling the last couple of games. I'm still willing to give him a little bit of a shot here. But, yeah, are there are there some clear potential upgrades out there on the market that are that might be able to help this team and help that pairing yeah sure we just talked about them you know and it's just a matter of whether Lou can make one of those guys fit we'll see if that happens but I don't think Aho kind of like you've been saying has been like a major detriment to this team where if you look back at this losing streak that they were on like where you're like oh Aho big reason why that happened oh oh he's got to go or he's got to you know ride some pine because they'd have three or four more points on the board if, if he was he was off the ice. I just don't think that's the case. I think I think their their issues really is just more collective. Like, yeah. Because there's a lot of guys you can go down this lineup and and you can think about some of these games and be like, all right, this guy missed an assignment there. All right, this guy bossed the play here. This guy should have shot on this play. Like, there's there's a lot of that stuff going on. And I think they just haven't found a way to fire on all cylinders, really. And maybe they did it in a couple of those wins earlier in the season against some of the quote-unquote lesser teams in the league. But you have, you know, this this current run that they've been on and, and the power play is good, the PK is not they're getting three or four goals in a game but then they're giving up three four five goals in the same game they just haven't been able to get it together they're giving up a ton of shots I think they're towards the bottom yeah. of the league and how many shots they're giving up so there's still a lot to clean up and, and as good as Ilya Sorokin is if you're giving up nearly the most shots on goal a game and unfortunately the difference is because they've always been guilty of that yeah but it's it's been a it's a quantity versus quality thing and I think they're sneaking in a little more quality into those shots that they're getting, and that's why you're seeing more go in the back of the net. And and I think they really have to clean up the defensive side of things to, to get back to the identity that this team's had because that's one thing I'll say for certain with regards to the D and regards yeah. to the PK. That identity, as of today, is lost. It is gone. We don't know that's what... That's who they used to be. Yeah. And they are not that right now. I brought up on my Twitter space last night, actually, that Lane said a couple of weeks ago, someone asked, are you playing to your identity? He said, not enough. I don't think... They they know what their identity is right now. They are trying to find their game because it's not... We kept saying defense is bread and butter. It hasn't been. Well, the penalty kill was their bread and butter. Hasn't been. Certain players that were lighting the lamp often, like Anders Lee, aren't doing that anymore. No Zach Preza that brings that bottom six energy. He's gone. So I think the owners right now, while they're trying to figure out how to win consistently, it's more about looking in the mirror and figuring out what kind of team they want to be. Yeah. Like we said, they can score. You know, they, they scored four goals, four more goals in three straight games. Scored five and one. Obviously, it's a shootout, but this team is finding ways to score goals. The, if you want to blame anything for what's gone on wrong in this losing streak or on this road trip, it's the penalty kill. That's what it's been. If they kill penalties at an 80% clip on this trip, they might be coming home with another win or another a couple more points. And I think for the Islanders right now is that's a huge difference. If they could just kill off those penalties, they would be, they might've gone undefeated on this road trip. <laughs> Maybe outside sure. Edmonton, but they could have won three or four. Isles fan 13 just recently followed and they want to know just are the Islanders practicing tomorrow? They're not going to text yet, but they were off today. So I would assume they will practice. Yes. All right. Okay. Well, we'll go to break then. Yeah, and then let's we'll bring do it. Kevin in. Yes. So, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers. We'll be right back with Kevin Curse. Attention all artists, storytellers, and creators of all kinds. It's time to make your content stand out above the rest. And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video. Or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook. Or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project... 
Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to FloredMedia.com for more information and email contact at FloredMedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, folks. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. And joining us right now, covering the Philadelphia Flyers for the Athletic, formerly the New York Islanders, Kevin Kurz. Kevin, thanks a lot for joining us, man. How you doing? Yeah, no problem, guys. Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. So, uh, yeah, a little change of pace over there at the Athletic, formerly covering the Isles here and now moving on to Philly. How's uh, how's been the move been for you so far? It's good. Uh, you know, I grew up here, so um, it was a move home for me. Um, and, you know, from a, from a work standpoint, it's interesting getting in sort of on the ground floor of a team that, that is sort of bottomed out, potentially, uh, we think. And, you know, they sort of put a new front office in place with Keith Jones and Danny Briere, two people I've known for a long, long time. And, and you know, they're in charge of, of, of getting this thing going in the right direction. And on the ice, it's been pretty good so far. They're off to a pretty good start. I think they're they're playing better than many people would have expected. I certainly wouldn't say they are, uh, you know, anything like a lock to make the playoffs. This could still go a whole number of different directions. But I would say the division looks a little bit more wide open now than than I think many of us expected before the season started. For sure. And and let's start with that change at the top. Obviously, you know, you see names like that coming in Briere and, and Keith Jones, and, and there's a big culture change there. They keep John Tortorella on. How's just, I suppose, the atmosphere of the team, you know, with these guys in charge? Yeah, you know, they've been talking pretty consistently about how the culture is different. And I know it's easier to say the culture's better when you're winning games. Right. You know, when it seems losing games, everyone said, well, the culture must be bad. So that's sort of a tricky line to walk. But Tortorella has been adamant that the the, the dressing room is a better place than it was last season. And they did get rid of some guys with, I would say, big personalities. Tony D'Angelo, one of them. Ivan Provorov, who we saw today, was someone that, that was clearly not very happy here in, in his last few years. Kevin Hayes, I don't think he was disliked by anybody, but for whatever reason, it, he, you know, I think he was identified as a guy that they wanted to move on from. So, you know, how much that's playing into their early success might be a little bit impossible to gauge, but I don't think it's hurt them just based on what everyone has said pretty consistently from day one. And Kevin, thanks for joining us again. Just what has clicked on the ice? You talk about the locker room, which probably plays a huge role, but what, what is clicking on the ice right now for this team? They work, man. They they work hard. They're tenacious. Uh, you see it really most on the penalty kill. Uh, they scored their fifth shorthanded goal tonight, which leads the league. They're just tenacious. They're certainly faster than I expected them to be. And that's particularly surprising, I think, because when you look at this back end, you don't look at this group of defensemen and suddenly think to yourself, boy, that's a really fast, mobile, skilled back end. They're not, at least on paper. But they found a way to play a structured game defensively, and that's led to them not spending as much time in their defensive zone than, again, I think many of us would have expected just based on that decor. Travis Sanheim is one guy who's just taken a huge leap forward. He's, I think, second or third in the league in ice time per game. He's really the anchor back there, playing in all different situations, playing with, I think, you know, certainly more confident than I ever remember seeing him play. They still really lack that true number one puck-moving guy, but Sanheim has, has all facets of the game he's played pretty well. So that, that's been a huge key, and I would say he's probably been their MVP to this point in the season. And you talk about that structure, and Carter Hart, I know he missed some time with an injury, but he seems like on top of his game right now. What are you seeing from him? He is, yeah, and especially early. I looked it up after the game against Vegas yesterday. He's got a 940 save percentage in the first period, and that's been a big key to, I think, this team winning games. And and a couple of the guys told me that, too, is they're not chasing games like they were last season. They've won these five in a row. They haven't trailed at all during the five-game winning streak. They've gotten in front of teams. They haven't had to chase games. I think that's allowed them to settle in a little bit more. That helps them gain their confidence a little bit. But Carter Hart has been really 
really one of the primary reasons, if not the biggest reason, they've gotten off to strong starts. Now, he didn't play tonight, but the win in Carolina last Wednesday night, the win yesterday here in Philly against Vegas, they needed Carter Hart early. They were under attack over the first five or ten minutes in both of those games. He held the four down, allowed the Flyers to score the first goal, and they go on to beat two teams that I think many people think are Stanley Cup contenders. So I would imagine he'll be back in against the Islanders on Wednesday. He had the day off today, so I would think think you'll see Carter on Wednesday. Yeah, Hearts look good for sure, absolutely. And you mentioned guys like Sandheim. You have Konechny uh, playing very well. It looks like the just the the scoring for the team right now is pretty well-rounded. I was looking down the stats, and you kind of see like everybody's contributing on this team. And Are there any yeah. younger guys that are on this squad that maybe fans around the league aren't too familiar with that are kind of helping lead the charge here on this team? Well, when you look up front, there, there's two rookies that made the team out of training camp. Bobby Brink was a second-round pick in 2019. Tyson Forster was a first-round pick in 2020. Brink was a healthy scratch for the last three games, comes back in today, scores a power play goal. He's done some good things, but he's small. So I think there's probably some concern in terms of how is he going to handle the grind in his first season when he's not the biggest guy. And then Forster, on the other hand, is a bigger guy, but he was having real trouble scoring. He finally got his first goal yesterday. But he's someone that is, I think, a little bit more well-rounded. He's good on the boards. He he can he can get in front of the net, get that dirty goal, even though they haven't really been coming. So, so those are two younger guys but it's generally a younger team pretty much top to bottom other than you know other than a few guys I mean Mark Stahl he hasn't played yet because he's hurt same with Bristol Line on the defense but you know you mentioned Konechny he's still a pretty young guy right he scored again tonight he's leading the team in goals so you know what they Owen Tippett is another guy he's been playing really well he's the guy that came in the Claude Giroux trade so you know, I think they just want to see growth from these guys individually, right? You want to see all these young players take a step. And they don't really have that true game-breaking elite-level talent up front, right? That's the guy they're really, I think, still looking for. And I think they're still looking for an elite-level defenseman, too. That's probably, you know, those are the guys that you hope come along at some point, probably in the draft. Maybe that's Mitchkoff, Matt, Matt Vey Mitchkoff, who they took in the first round last season. I think he's the guy that they all hope becomes that elite-level scorer, but he's not going to be here for another couple of years. So, in the meantime, you want to see growth from these younger guys and you know through the first month of the season I, I think you've seen growth in just about all of them and then Kevin obviously you keep tads on the league what are you, what are your thoughts of what's been going on with the Islanders lately <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that <laughs> I, I haven't watched them a whole lot right they were on the west coast trip there so I think I watched their game against Washington in Washington which they won right yeah a couple weeks ago I, you know I always thought that they were going to be a team that was going to make the playoffs just based on their goaltending right and how's Sorokin been uh he has hasn't been the Sorokin that the Islanders have needed. Quite frankly, he's been he's been average. He hasn't he, again. His bar is so high, but there's been games where he hasn't been at his best, and they need him to be at his best to win games. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought one of two things would happen. They'd be good enough to get into the playoffs, maybe as the third or fourth team in the Metro Division, or they would get old quickly as a group all of a sudden. And that seems to be happening, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does in the in the, the recent games, that's for sure. I think we're kind of still waiting to see what team this actually is going to be because in the beginning, they rattle off these wins, they're looking all right, and then things just kind of start falling apart. They go on this long losing streak, and, and they finally break it by, you know, the skin of their teeth on a shootout, right? So we're still trying to figure that out, I think. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's a veteran team that you would expect would be good in the third period at locking down leads. I mean, what what's going on in the third period there? That that to me is the most surprising, right? Maybe other than Sorokin is that's a veteran team that that should know that, you know, you got to play your best hockey in the third period if you're going to win games, and and I guess they haven't been. Yeah, before you came on, Kevin, we did a lot of head scratching, and uh, <laughs> we're still trying to figure that stuff out. But thankfully, there's a lot more games left. But to pivot back to the Flyers here a little bit, you know, when they first brought in Tortorella, I, I really found that to be a very interesting hire because I just thought he's a guy you bring in to a team that's kind of already on their way, right? Veteran guy, he's won a cup, probably a guy who's who's looking to get back into the playoffs and, and take a team deep. And I, it really caught me off guard back when they brought him in to say, look, this is clearly a team that needs a ton of work. They're rebuilding. It's going to be a long, long ways before they get into the playoffs and really become a serious team. So I just want mm-hmm. to get your perspective on how he's 
come into that role and you're seeing him now in the, in the in the press conferences and everything and how he's handled just taking a young team from where they are now and trying to build them up back into well, contention. Yeah, I, I would suggest that he has a little bit more of a voice in the front office and with his, you know, so-called bosses than the normal head coach. I think they really look at this as sort of a three-headed snake with Torts, Keith Jones, Danny Briere really running the show here. And, you know, so I, I, I can't say I know this for sure. I get the impression that he is a little bit more involved in which players come up from Lehigh Valley, which players are going to get ice time, which players might be scratched, maybe even which players might be moved out. And and we kind of saw that in the summer when they did move out guys like D'Angelo, Kevin Hayes, Proveroff. I think a lot of the, the you know, the big reason they those guys were moved out was because I think Torts wanted them out in order to reset the culture, right? And mm-hmm. in his words, that's happened. So again, I think there's probably more conversations between Torts and the GM and the president than many other head coaches around the league. And, you know, at this point, maybe that's just something that he welcomes. And I haven't actually talked to him about that specifically yet, but Mm -hmm. I think that he's enjoying trying to help these young guys along, this young roster along to take steps forward. And it's a little easier to enjoy it when your team's won five in a row and you're a lot better and off in the standings. I think a lot of people expect you to be, but, you know, I think it's, I I think he looks at this as, I wouldn't be surprised if the end result here is Tortorella being sort of promoted from the best to a front office role and then they bring in another guy as a head coach when they are actually ready to compete for you know if the plan goes if it goes according to plan compete for a Stanley Cup in a couple years has he cooled down a little bit in those uh post-game presses or <laughs> have, you, have you managed me, uh, to piss him off people yet? have told me he's more <laughs> mellow and more you know more chill than he was uh in years past this is my first year covering him he's been fine with me haven't uh I haven't pissed him off yet I guess because I haven't gotten snapped yet and sure that will happen at some point but yeah, he's he's great to deal with. I think his answers are very honest. I you know he's I think he's telling the players in the dressing room behind closed doors for the most part what he's telling us when we ask about particular certain particular players. So it, it helps us do our job a little bit better. And I think you know if you're a fan of the team, you should appreciate that sort of honesty and frankness. I think from the guy who's the main spokesman on a daily basis. For sure, for sure. And 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 going back once more to your time covering the Islanders. Uh, is yeah, Lee Lambert. It's not exactly that that guy, and yeah, you know, I think you know, head coaches would do themselves a favor if they're honest and upfront with fans, and especially Islanders fans. I mean, I think you've got to be more upfront with these guys, and and uh, you know, I think Lane just is what he is. But if I'm an Islanders fan, I would want to hear a little bit more in-depth analysis from the coach as to what's going wrong here. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. He's been a, he's been a little. I don't know if that was your question, year. but that's that's the way I wanted to take it. <laughs> he's been a little more open. He's been telling us when there's swelling in players. And who's going to be out of the lineup? So baby steps. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, listen, it's if that's not in his personality, it's not in his personality. And who knows what sort of directions are coming from above? But I think when you're, you know, if you're a fan and you're following a team on a day to day basis, you know hardcore fans that are really invested in a team on a daily basis they're not stupid they they know what's going wrong and and they want to hear a little bit i think uh you know criticism from those in charge when things aren't aren't going right yeah i'm sure as you learned while you were here it's a very passionate fan base and uh they definitely have the pulse on the team but kevin really want to thank you for for hopping on especially right after the flyers game there really appreciate that and uh for sure and, and hope to have you on down the road okay anytime you got it all right, Thanks, Kevin. Kevin. Thanks Appreciate a lot. Take it. care. See you guys. Yep. All right, folks, that was Kevin Kurz covering the Philadelphia Flyers for The Athletic. And before we wrap up here, actually want to thank our friends at Isles Fix for teaming up with us. Remind you all that Islanders country get your daily fix of Isles news, highlights, and analysis by subscribing to Isles Fix, the only Monday to Friday Islanders newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Sign up for free or become a paid subscriber for added benefits at islesfix.sub substack.com get that newsletter every day and you'll get your aisles news right in your email when you wake up you see it in the morning here you go it's all there article by stefan rosner pass andrew gross okay i'll check that (laughs) one out (laughs) but it's all good stuff (laughs) so with all of that out of the way i think we're going to wrap up here unless you have some closing thoughts stefan none none from stefan all right so cue the music ed we're getting on out of here all right, folks, want to send a big thanks to you guys for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. And of course, your favorite podcast 
providers. And I want to send a big thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. And, of course, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check them out at bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. A big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at mainstboardgamecafe.com. Also, a huge thanks to Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law. Nobody likes going to court, but, you know, if you have to, they're ready to fight for you. Call 516-742-7600 for a free consultation today. And, of course, a big thanks to Floored Media for turning the cameras on here, letting us put on this show, talking about your New York Islanders. Stefan, where can we find you on social and on the interwebs? Yeah, on X. You can find me at Stefan underscore roster. That's S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R, Islanders Hockey News. And NHL.com. There you go. You can follow me on Twitter, at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show, at Hockey Night NY, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And I don't know. Maybe we're on MySpace. I don't know. Maybe we're speaking of thanks, Sean, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Ed, Ed, you want to do the rest (laughs) of the clothes out here, buddy? Happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you can follow the show at Hockey NY on all your social media platforms. Remember, folks, if you enjoy what you're doing here, please rate, review, subscribe, spread the word, tell your friends, tell them all about Hockey NY. Tell your family at Thanksgiving. Yes, a great topic at Thanksgiving. Avoid the politics. Be like, hey, guys, I know you're a Ranger fan, Uncle Joe, but great Islander podcast, Sunday nights at 8 o'clock, Hockey Night in New York. Great before your mashed potatoes. So for Ed, for Jay, for Shoeless Jake, for Stefan Rosner, I'm Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.